Now let's get down to why we're here today. <laughs> okay, the bedrock of faith. I, I want to I do a, a series of messages focusing on faith. And there's a lot of different dynamics when it comes to faith. And what we're going to deal with today is what I call the bedrock of faith or the foundation on which the faith is built, on which we act out our faith as we live our lives every day. So we're going to look at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 this morning. And we're going to, just briefly on the background, many of you already know this, uh, AD 60, 61, in that ballpark, it was written by Paul, who was in prison uh, at this time. Uh, circumstances, theological and practical issues facing the church. And one of them is right here, what we're looking at today. Uh, the issue of salvation. What is salvation at its root? And how does that root affect moving forward? Because in 2.8 and 10, he talks about we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. And that does play a, a major role in it. The purpose is to live godly lives. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, live, uh, be imitators of God. And so let's look at this this morning. First of all, we are saved by faith. Now notice what Paul writes, for by grace you have been saved through faith. For is explanatory, which goes back to what he was talking about in verses four through seven. The word grace is Horace in the Greek, and it means to show kindness or to show compassion or to have a heart for something or someone. This great little picture here of this girl reaching down to a, a man on the street who is begging. We see that a lot uh, as we you go down here to Walmart. You, I mean, you see it all over the place. It is a good picture of what God has done for us. You guys and gals do know that before we trusted in Christ, we were in a deplorable state. We were unable to help ourselves. We had no righteousness of our own. We were in a condition in which God needed to redeem us. Uh, somebody said, well, man is basically good. If man is basically good, why do we have prisons? If man is basically good. We have an uh, issue before we come to Christ, we're in a deplorable state. And so Paul very simply writes here, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And to show the extreme of our uh, depravity, uh, in Romans 5, 8, Paul writes this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The position of a person before they come to Jesus Christ no matter how good they may be, no matter how, uh, how much they do for others, if they are outside of Christ, they are far from God. That's a fact. And so Paul writes here, for by grace you have been saved through faith. You know, when you think about the world in which we live, and it is a bad world, I want you to understand something this morning, that the world is ripe for the gospel message. 
it is ripe for the gospel message. We have a wonderful opportunity to extend, to extend the grace to a world that is desperately in need of that grace. And there's uh, statistics all over the place. And the things that are happening in our culture today uh, reminds us of how far lost our culture is. And we have a great opportunity as we live our lives before a world that is in darkness to be able to share the light of the gospel with them and do it. Don't be afraid to do it. Don't be afraid to share the gospel. I'll tell you, you're going to get some reactions. Some reactions will be, get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. That's fine. Some will say, please tell me more. And others will say, I want to be saved. Those are some typical responses to what you will get. So the Apostle Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Harold Honer in his commentary writes this, one is not automatically saved because Christ died, but one is saved when one puts trust in God's gracious provision. There is within the theological world this idea of universalism. And the universalist will say this, since Christ died, I don't think they're real theologians, but uh, since Christ died for the world, the world is saved. Well, Christ did die for the world. We could say it this way. Christ died and gave pervenient grace. If you were born in this life, you are qualified to need a Savior. But that means you have to actually trust in Christ. There's something that needs to happen. You have to invite that grace into your life. And uh, when that happens, there's a beautiful unpacking here of, uh, of these verses. Now, the word saved is sozo in the Greek, and it means this is important. This is very important. Because we seem to get this idea that sometimes when we trust in Christ, then it's all about self-reform. Like I trust in Christ and then I start doing this, 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 and this. Nothing could be further from the truth. Listen to this, the word sozo, to cause someone to experience divine salvation. I'm going to get technical with you here for a minute. Bear with me. This is a perfect passive verb in the Greek. And what this means is an action that took place in the past, but that the subject is being acted upon. So, when Christ died, and he was buried, and he raised from the dead, and he ascended to the throne of God, that was an action that took place in the past. And salvation, then, is God acting upon the receiver of the good news. So in other words, it's something that God does. God does the act upon us. And I remember when I got saved, and I knew I got saved, I was in that chapel with the army chaplain. He led me in the sinner's prayer. And by the way, the sinner's prayer, you can there are many different ways. But that day, that moment, I knew something happened that I did not manifest on my own. It was something that came into me that acted upon me in which I became saved, which that word literally means rescued, to pull out. But when God did that, that grace was acted upon me 
and I was saved. And so we often get this idea that, well, once I get saved, then I kind of, well, Ephesians 2.10 says uh, that God saved us for good works, not that good work saves you. My Sunday school class will go over this this morning. The vehicle by faith, or the, the, the vehicle for salvation is through faith. That which is completely believable, just reading from the Greek language, what can be fully believed, that which is worthy of belief, believable evidence or proof. That's what that word faith means, pistis. I'm going to simplify. When you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and when you believe that you are in need of a Savior, and you believe the sinless life of Christ, and you believe all the elements of the gospel message, and you put your trust in that, you are then sozoed. You are now saved and God acts upon you and you become 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. At that very moment, you become saved in the eyes of God. And it is through faith, it is through the belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, a lot of people... A lot of people think, and this, this is why I do, when, somebody, when I lead somebody in the sinner's prayer, and I tell them, you're a sinner, you need to repent of your sin, you need to trust in Christ, and this is what it means to trust in Christ. It means his whole life, Christ came from heaven to earth, and I actually like that song. What I do is I make them, right then, write the date and the time that they trusted in Christ. I learned that before I went to theological school. I learned that from the army chaplain. That's how I know October 12, 1981 was the day that I trusted in Christ. And so, particularly when we have VBS and other things going on, uh, I have them write it and we get the exact time and day because usually what happens right after you get saved is about a week later, you go, wait a minute. Am I really saved if I'm doing this? Well, you still have to grow. You still have to grow in your understanding. So, let's talk now about the gift. This was also quite interesting and challenging and depend on who you read. <laughs> you come up with some different views. Uh, the gift and this is not of your own doing. So it's already been established that this perfect passive verb where God is doing the action. So immediately Paul follows this up by saying, this is not of your own doing, of course. You trust in Christ and then God takes the action upon the individual. So of course, it's not of your own doing. You can't possibly do it. There's no way to do it. And so... It is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Now this poses a dilemma for us. Having just said it's through faith, the dilemma is this. Is Paul talking about that faith is from God? If so, 
God gives us the faith to believe. It's whatever's close to it usually pervades. Or is Paul talking about salvation in general? Because he started with the main clause uh, that we looked at already, for by grace you have been saved. Is he talking about the word saved? If so, salvation comes from God and not ourselves, which seems to be a good interpretation of this. But God also gives us the ability to reason and to respond to the gospel message. And so here's something that's interesting also. The word gift, doron. It's a place for making gifts or offerings. Literally, an offering box. Lou and Nida writes this. According to tradition, there were 13 such offering boxes in the temple and the receptacles leading down to the boxes were made in form of trumpets. As a result, the sound of coins falling into the boxes was rather conspicuous. This is what it looked like. They would put it, gifts in there, and you could hear it. If we think about the gift for a minute, we've already seen that God saves or acts upon the individual receiving Christ. He also deposits the gift in us. You were sealed in him, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, with the Holy Spirit. A promise guaranteeing. And it's interesting that this gift that God gives, he deposits into us. That's why when I trusted in Christ that day, I knew something happened. I didn't know what at the time. All I knew was I felt different at the moment that I trusted in Christ. And at that moment, Sozo, God rescued me. He acted upon me and put within me the gift of salvation. And so now I, in my body, house this marvelous, wonderful gift that God has given us. For all of you who believe, who have trusted in Christ, I have that gift now within me, and I know it's there because God put it there. I didn't put it there, and if I put it there, I could get rid of it. But God put it there, and therefore, when God saves somebody, it is finished, it is done. When that gift of grace is deposited in the heart of the believer, it is finished. God doesn't pull it back out. That's not how God works. But the issue is, have you meant business with God. That's the issue. And there's many people that come to church and they, and they play church when they've never in actuality been redeemed by the blood of Christ. They've never had the gift deposited in their hearts. And I, I yeah, you, I've yet to meet a believer that I've said, are you saved? I don't know. If you're a born-again believer, you know it, don't you? 
You know where that came from? It didn't come from you. It came from God. He acted upon you, put the gift in you. It's all him. It's nothing of me. And that's a big, that's a big thing to focus on. This is why I love this, this text is because it's so rich. We, we have this, we have this thing within us that says, I've got to do something. I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. God's love for you was settled at the cross. And when you trust in him, when you have invited him into your heart, God puts that gift in there, and it's never going to leave. Can we drift? Yes, we can. Can we rebel? Yes, we can. Those of you that have kids, you love them. Do they do everything you tell them to do? No. <laughs> no, they don't. Yeah. They do not. And if they do everything you tell them to do, please write a book. Because the world needs to know that. And we just have this idea that somehow I have to do something. You have to have belief in Jesus Christ. And God gave us the ability in Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about his spirit adopting our spirit. There is this prevenient grace, is what I like to call it and theologians call it, prevenient grace. God gives the ability to everybody to respond to the gospel. It's called prevenient grace. Not universal grace, where his grace covers even the vilest offender and he doesn't have to believe that's not the gospel. That's a false gospel. So, of course, he writes, and this is not of your undoing, it is the gift of God. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, not of yourself, but of the gift of God which he deposits into you. To make the matter very, 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 very clear, Paul, Paul lines up for the extra point. Use a football analogy. I know the NFL playoffs are going on. figure you might like that. Uh, you rarely miss an extra point. Rarely. So Paul's putting an extra point here. Not by merit. <clears throat> I threw you all a curve. You, I bet you started to write works on there. But I wanted to change it up, keep it fresh. Not by merit. Paul writes this. Not as a result of works. Of course. Paul's made his case very, very clear. You trust in Christ, God does the work in you. And I'm sure that there's people that you and I have led in the sinner's prayer that have never trusted in Christ. They had an emotional moment. Or they had a feel-good feeling. But they never in their heart trusted in Christ. I'm sure that's happened. And you would, 
would not believe how many people over 35 years that I've met in churches who hope they are going to heaven. Have you trusted in Christ? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus is the only way to God? Yes. Do you believe he died for you and paid for your sin and rose again and is reigning at the right hand of the Father? Yes. Then why are you questioning? You're saved. I know I've brought this up before. There was a woman in my first... I, I, I was in Bible college and I was just pastoring. I made $125 a week. She walked up every Sunday asking to be saved over and over and over again. She was in torment. And do you know who was tormenting her? Not God. It was Satan that was tormenting this poor woman. Estelle, I remember her name. I said, Estelle, you're saved. If there's anybody in the world that I know for sure is saved, it's you because you have a heart with God. And she'd cry and I'd see her again next Sunday. And it was so sad. And do you know where that came about from? That church that I was in preached works. And so I come in with the gospel of grace and they're like, whoa, grace? I had more people saved in that church than I've had in any church I've been in. Just so sad. But it's not a result of works. You can't earn this stuff, folks. Okay, the word not. I like little words. Little words, I love them. It's ooh. Say that with me. Ooh. Ooh. It's easy, right? You know Greek now. Go home. You don't need this. It is a marker of negation in the Greek language. Not. It is in the absolute sense, meaning it is impossible. Not. It is impossible to do this on your own because if you did, you got to live a perfect life and you have to take your own life, put it on the cross. Works is ergon. Let me give you an illustration of ergon. It means acts or deeds. <clears throat> this is kind of the idea that Paul's migrating to. So this is true. Some people believe this. They've never heard the gospel. Or they've heard it, but they just reject it. And so they're going to do this on their own. And, and, and so as they live their lives, well, I helped this little old lady across the street. I gave $10 to the church. I, I prayed for this person. And so see, my bad's not really that bad. Our bad was despicable before God. That's why Jesus came. Even our best is as filthy rags before a holy God. Y'all believe that? This is the other issue. And I think why Paul wrote this about the works issue. I think there were some Jews here in Asia Minor 
may be creating a little bit of uh, issue. He wrote it specifically in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. We've covered this part, faith in Christ. That's how you're justified. And that word justified is a huge legal term. I don't want to get into that, but what it means is you've been totally acquitted. So if I read it this way, know that a man is not acquitted by observing the law, but by faith in Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ that we may be justified, totally acquitted. When you come to Christ, all charges are dropped. Christ becomes your defense attorney. And he's never lost a case. Christ has never lost a case. We have been justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Actually, we were not under the law. Gentiles were not under that Old Testament law. Paul did write in Romans that we're a law unto ourselves. But the law was ticked uh, specifically for the Jewish people. And so they believed that if you obeyed the law, that you could go to heaven. And Paul in Galatians, that's a, that's a game changer, Galatians. Because by observing the law, no one will be acquitted. Peter O'Brien writes this very pointedly in his commentary. He said this, Salvation is not based on human performance or any effort to win God's approval. And if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. You say, Pastor Mike, when I trust in Christ, what you're saying, Pastor Mike, I want to be clear. What you're saying is when I trust in Christ and I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is the Son of God and he paid for my sin, are you saying at that moment, every previous charge has been dropped? That's exactly what I'm saying. There are no more charges because of what the defense attorney did. We have an advocate, 1 John writes, chapter 2. We have an advocate with the Father that when we sin, the defense attorney says, charge it to me. In a simple term. If you could earn your salvation, explain to me what Christ was doing on the cross. But God knew, God knew nobody could possibly ever become righteous enough to stand in the presence of God. He knew that. So he says, before the foundations of the world, there was a plan in place already, and he, God and Jesus coming to earth, the world events leading up to the culmination of Christ and him dying on the cross, I once had a deacon in my first full-time church. It's really sad. 
It really is sad. He said, I am not, I am not just trusting in what Christ did for me. That was a deacon in a Southern Baptist church. How did he get there? He was judgmental. He was harsh with people. He could be nice. Brothers and sisters, let me, that's Southern Baptist term, by the way, brothers and sisters. It's in the Bible, too. You, if you have trusted in Christ, please, if you get nothing else from this sermon, get this. If you have trusted in Christ, you are a child of God. Not for a little while. Not until you stumble and fall and sin, which you will. You're a child of God when you've made that commitment. And then from that, we could get into Ephesians 2.10. For we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's not, it's not that I work for it. I work because of it. And Christ lives his life through me. As much as I surrender to him, I'm able to live through, uh, he's able to live through me. This, and this is all brought to a culminating point here. I, I've tried to keep this low-keyed, this sermon, but this really gets me. Boasting. Kahaomai is the Greek word. It means to express an unusually high degree of confidence in something or something being extraordinary. This is a great little picture. I'm the man. I'm so good, I don't need Jesus. I can do this on my own. You can't brag about it. You can brag about him and what he did and what you couldn't do. That's where the humility part comes in. There's something in the Bible, correct me if I'm wrong, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. There's a bit of humility here. You can't possibly, you can't say, look at me. I am awesome. I don't need Jesus. I've got my religion. I've got my rules. I've got my regulations. I don't live by them, but I've got them. No one can take credit for their salvation. Otherwise, Christ came to this earth for absolutely no reason. But I know who I have believed and am convinced that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him unto that day. 
And I know that no matter what may befall me in life, no matter what tragedy, what storm, what isolation, anything that comes against me, I know that my Redeemer lives and that I am saved and that someday when I cross that finish line, Be like Paul. I have fought the fight. I have kept the faith. There is waiting for me a crown of righteousness. And so it is with every one of you that have believed in Christ. That no matter what comes your way, famine, persecution, heartache, trials, we're going to get into that coming up in the faith issue. No matter what comes against you, stand firm. Stand firm. Because you are saved and a child of God.